Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. All right, this picture is the Bighorn Catalina Fire. It was just north of Tucson in uh, June of 2020. Now, fire is a wonderful thing. It provides heat, it provides light, it purifies things, uh, it cooks and flavors our food, it makes awesome fireworks displays, uh, but wildfires consume and destroy. They demolish habitats and homes and sometimes even entire communities. So we, we're looking at a series uh, thinking about the uh, spiritual gifts, or, or rather the fruit of the Spirit, and Fires under control are a huge blessing. Fires out of control are a terror. And so in this series on the fruit of the Spirit, we're looking at what the Holy Spirit's trying to do in our lives. And today, we're focusing on gentleness as one characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit. If you're reading from the King James, in this part, it'll say meekness. But it's the same thing, meekness, gentleness. This, uh, it, it is how God is working in you and um, accomplishing his will. So if you have your Bibles today, what I'd like you to do, we're going to start out in Galatians 5, but then we're going to look at several passages in Matthew, and then there'll be several other passages that I'll read from other uh, books of the Bible as we're thinking about gentleness and the work the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. So Galatians chapter 5, and uh, you see up on the, the um, banners up here, the fruit of the Spirit broken out in the nine characteristics of that fruit. And we find that here in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is, say it with me, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Now, our culture doesn't really understand the concept of gentleness or meekness. Uh, the world views men who are bossy and pushy, overly intense and unkind. The world says, oh, those are strong men because they trample on other people. Uh, so when we read the fruit of the Spirit, we come to gentleness, we might picture a kind of wimpy guy. But the truth is, gentleness is not being weak or timid. That's not what gentleness is. Gentleness is power under control. Power under control, like fire under control, is a wonderful thing. Fire out of control is destructive. And power under control is a blessing to all who are around. But fire or power out of control is crazy. So mild, even-tempered, gentle, and kind, that's what the Holy Spirit is producing in you. So if this doesn't describe you, the problem is not the Holy Spirit. The problem's you. You need to grow in these areas. 
The Bible views the strong man not as the one who can push others around, but as the one who controls his own spirit. That's the sign of a strong man, repeated twice in the book of Proverbs. The fruit of the spirit includes gentleness. So there's two men in the Bible described as gentle or meek. And uh, Numbers 12.3 says, Now the man Moses was very humble or very meek. And in Matthew 11.29, Jesus describes himself saying, I am meek or gentle and lowly in heart. So do you picture Moses before Pharaoh being timid and weak? You know, Mr. Pharaoh, maybe you could let us go. Uh, no, Moses probably said, let my people go with the forcefulness. Uh, and Jesus himself, when he was cleansing the temple and all the money changers, those were big, heavy tables filled, piled with coins, and he threw them over and he drove them out of the temple courtyard, which was an area about half the size of our property here. And he, they went running away in fear. Uh, was that Jesus saying, you know, guys, what you're doing is probably not the best thing? No, there's, there can be power but the power is under control. So when we look at Moses, did he seem wimpy or weak? When we look at Jesus, did he seem wimpy or weak? And yet both men are described as meek and gentle. So we need to learn what it means. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit includes nine characteristics, one of which is gentleness. Uh, but their love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's all one fruit. And uh, this is produced, a healthy tree naturally produces healthy fruit. And so the Holy Spirit is supernaturally giving you the ability to be both strong and gentle when you're truly trusting and following Jesus you'll become strong and gentle because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. So what does gentleness look like in Scripture? Well, we're going to start out in Matthew 9, and we're going to look at quite a few other passages uh, in Matthew. So if you can turn to Matthew 9, and we're going to see the first thing that we're going to see is that when you were gentle, you actively labor for the harvest by showing God's love and sharing his truth. In Matthew 9, we're going to read several verses here, beginning in verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Boy, don't you wish you could do that? Matt, I wish I could heal diseases. I, I wouldn't mind somebody healing my diseases. I wish we could get beyond them all, and someday we will. When we're with the Lord, all the problems of this life will be forgotten. But Jesus could heal them all because he was Jesus, God the Son in the flesh. Verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. 
to, to send out workers. Now, you and I, we're already sent ones. We are sent by the Lord to labor in the harvest. And so when you're gentle, you're actively laboring for the Lord. You're showing God's love and sharing his truth and trying to bring a harvest. Your heart is stirred by the lostness of people. Instead of getting annoyed at the multitudes, you feel a heartache for them. You, you have concern for them. You want to help them in the most important area of their life, their spiritual need for the Lord. You want to minister to them. That's what gentleness looks like. Secondly, when you are gentle, you connect with and then seek to help people who have needs. You connect with and seek to help people who have needs. Turn over to Matthew 14. Matthew 14. Now in chapter 9, we read about Jesus healing people. And this says it again in chapter 14. It says in verse 14 of chapter 14. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. So you seek to help people who have needs. Now, you also see on the screen Matthew 20. There's some more verses there. So turn over to Matthew chapter 20. Jesus cared about people. He cared about where they were. Uh, Last year, I don't remember. When did I have that swollen foot? May 20th. May 31st, 2021. Of course, she knew that. You know, I knew it was the other day, right? She knows the day. What time of day was it? Uh, uh, But we went down to the VA hospital because my foot was all swollen up, and my sister-in-law, the nurse, said, go to the hospital. So we did. And uh, they wanted to run. what What was the thing they wanted to do? Do you remember? Uh, ultrasound on it. They wanted to do an ultrasound to see what it was. That's weird that I remember that. And and they so the guy who they called the guy. He was it was at night and they called him at home and said you need to come in and do the ultrasound. He said nope. I work from eight to five. He can wait till eight. So I'm in the hospital on those comfortable plush gurneys they have for you with my foot all swollen up, waiting in pain for this guy to feel like he could finish his breakfast and stumble on in to help out. His job was to help people. He was in the healthcare business. And I tell you, the best thing I heard about that guy is he was retiring in five days and nobody else had to endure that guy again. But Jesus wasn't that way. If that had been Jesus and they called him, he'd have said, I'll be right there to heal him. He wouldn't have waited around. He wouldn't. And and when we allow other people to suffer, there was a seminary and the professor assigned one-on-one, he assigned everybody in the entire class to come and teach on the Good Samaritan. And he assigned that text to them. And so there's, I don't know, 20, 30 guys in the class, and they each one thought they were coming to teach on it. 
And then on their way to class, on the sidewalk, on the way to the class, there was this homeless guy down on the ground and with sores on him, uncomfortable. And these guys kind of walked right around him to get to the class on time so they could teach the lesson on the Good Samaritan. And they got into the class and they each one thought they were going to teach. And then they found out, well, other guys had been asked to teach. And then this homeless guy comes walking in, pulls off his coat and his hat and, and uh, some of the makeup on his face. It was the professor. And he said, you guys just failed this exam. Because if you'd been truly prepared to teach on the Good Samaritan, you would have stopped to help the man who looked like he was in need. Isn't that great? I'm glad it wasn't a class I took, but it, you know, it was great. But you connect with and seek to help people who have needs. Uh, like uh, these verses from Mark 1, uh, verses 40 to 42. A leper came to Jesus imploring him, kneeling down to him, saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus uh, moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleaned, cleansed. And look here in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 29. As they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him, and behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. And then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet, but they cried out all the more. Have you ever tried to get a little kid to stop crying? If you say, stop crying, what do they do? They get louder. And the multitude told these guys, hey, hush up. And they're like, no way, Jesus. We, he wanted him to know. So Jesus then stood still and called to them and said, what do you want me to do for you? Isn't it interesting? They're blind guys begging by the road, and Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? Have, have you thought about this? God still wants to know what you want him to do for you. That's why he wants you to pray. He knows, but he wants to hear it from you. Okay? Then G they said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be open. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him him. So uh, you're, you're connecting with, you're seeking to help people who have needs. You're reaching out to touch a leper and heal him. Uh, throughout history, one of the ways in which Christians have impacted their community is when there is a community need, the Christians get involved and the Christians serve and the Christians help. And that's been true throughout all the history of Christianity. Uh, when there were uh, tornadoes and hurricanes and levees broken and flooding and Christians gathered and Christians served and unsaved people became followers of Jesus because they saw the compassion that the people of God had for the suffering of the people around them. Don't get callous. Don't look at people and say, well, it serves them right. They've made some bad choices. I've made wiser choices. See the need and seek to try and meet that need and help them. Number three, 
when you are gentle, you show grace and mercy to others. Turn back a little bit to Matthew 18. Matthew 18. When you are gentle, you show grace and mercy to others. Matthew 18. Now, in verse uh, 23, Jesus says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. So here's what happened. The king wants to settle accounts with his servants, so he calls them in, and some of the servants owed him money, and one owed him a lot of money, more money than he could reasonably repay in his entire lifetime. And so the king comes, and this guy begs, and he pleads, and, and the king says, okay, I'll forgive you, and I'll forgive the debt. And the guy was grateful and helpful, but then this guy who'd just been forgiven walks out, and he finds somebody else who owes him a little bit. Let's just say that, that the first guy owed $100,000, and the king forgave it. And then he walks outside, and there's a guy who owes him 100 bucks. And so he grabs him and he's rough with him and he demands payment. When the guy couldn't pay, he throws him into debtor's prison. So verse 33 here, um, Jesus says how the, the, the leader, um, said, the king said to him in verse 33, should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? See, the Lord is watching the way you treat other people. And sometimes you want treat people to be nice to you, but you're not nice back or you're not nice to somebody else. And so we need to treat people the way we would like them to treat us. And then in verse 35, Jesus now sums up this story that he told, and he gives the main point here. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. So the guy who did not forgive was then tortured and put in debtor's prison and torture to pay the penalty for his crime because he wouldn't forgive other people. See, when you're gentle, you're going to show grace and mercy to others. See, here's the, here's the clue, okay? Nobody deserves mercy. Mercy is you deserve punishment. I don't know why I'm looking at you, Aiden. But mercy is you deserve punishment. But in mercy, I'm not going to give you the punishment you deserve. Nobody deserves grace. I'll look at Amanda now, okay? Uh, grace is, you don't deserve this blessing, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. So nobody deserves mercy and nobody deserves grace, but God demands that we give it to those who do not deserve it. God doesn't say, look around. If you see some nice kid, be nice to him. He says, look around when you see that, be nice to him. That one who desperately needs mercy, that one who desperately needs grace, show my grace and my mercy and my kindness to them. Now, when Jesus chased the money changers out of the temple courtyard, see, I want you to get this big theological idea here. When Jesus chased them out of the courtyard, he was showing grace. 
How was that grace? Well, he was showing grace and he was showing gentleness because he was making sure, number one, they heard the truth. He made sure they heard the truth. And secondly, he was demonstrating God's own passion that God be worshipped in spirit and in truth. Jesus was showing them this carnal money-making venture they had going on, and they called it worship. It was not worship, and they needed to realize the error of their ways, and they needed to repent. You know what they did? After Jesus left, they set the tables back up and then did it again. And later in his life, a few years later, Jesus did the same thing. He purged the temple because they had brought in the same baggage they had before. But it was gentle because he overturned the tables. He didn't overturn the people. And it was gracious because he was clearly letting them know what's the right thing to do in, relation, in your relationship with God. And so they understood, or at least could have understood, if they'd paid attention. It was the right thing. It was the gracious thing. Being gentle does not mean we ignore sin. It means that we call people to repentance and not to condemnation. See, when I've needed some surgeries, I, I didn't go to the doctor and the doctor said, you know, surgery can be painful. I don't want you to have to go through that pain. Just go and enjoy your life. No, I wanted the surgeon to say, dude, you got a problem. We're going to cut into you with a knife, and we're going to take care of that problem. See, normally some guy comes at you with a knife, you're going to run. But when it's a surgeon, you're like, get it done, right? And, and see, that's what people need. When we're gentle and we show grace and mercy to other people, it doesn't mean we overlook their sin. But it does mean we don't condemn them for their sin. In the words of Jesus, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's what he said to the woman caught in adultery. We don't condone the sin. We don't ignore the sin, but we never condemn the person who was sinning. Isn't that nice? that God is so gracious toward us. Now, number four, when you are gentle, you care about people's physical and emotional needs as well as their spiritual needs. You care about the whole package. You know, there's an argument, theological argument, are you a body with a soul or are you a soul with a body? The correct answer is neither. You're all of the above. You are body, soul, and spirit all together. And you cannot separate body, soul, and spirit. God can, but you can't. And God will, when you die, your soul and spirit will go to be with the Lord. Your body's going to stay behind. But someday your body will be raised up. It'll be transformed. It'll be made new. You'll have an eternal body. You'll all look good in heaven. I don't know if that's true or not, but most of you already look good, right? Uh, but the truth is, uh, we have needs that are physical, and those needs are just as significant in our daily life as our spiritual need is. In the long-term scope, the spiritual needs are way bigger than the daily need. But if somebody does not have food... 
that to them that day feels like a bigger need than their spiritual need. So we, we help people with the whole package of life. We find Jesus in Mark 6. He's feeding 5,000 people. Now, actually, it was 5,000 men. So there was also women and children. They estimate it could have been 20,000 people based on the average family size in that culture in that day. Uh, so it could have been more. Uh, but Jesus fed them with five loaves and two fishes. And he did a miracle. That was in Judea. Judea was the center of, of Israel's worship. It was the center of Judaism. Jerusalem was in Judea. It was in that region where they thought they were way more spiritual. And then you go up into Galilee, and people weren't as spiritual in Galilee. So the disciples were really surprised when Jesus then fed 4,000 people in Galilee with uh, seven uh, loaves and a few fish. Uh, but he, he did it in Galilee too, because he was showing them it's not just the Judean people who are better. Everybody needs God's love and grace and forgiveness. And so Jesus provided for them and met their needs. In Luke 7, there was a Roman who had a, a Roman centurion who had a servant, and he healed the Roman's servant. He didn't just heal the Jewish people. He healed others. And there was a widow on the way to bury her son. The funeral procession's going on, and Jesus stopped the procession, raised him from the dead. Man, wouldn't that have been an awesome sight? I've been to a lot of funerals. I've never seen anything that cool. That would be such a blessing. Uh, but he raised her from the dead. And then in Luke 10, we have the story of the Good Samaritan, which I also mentioned earlier. See, over and over and over, the scriptures show us that when you're gentle, you care about people's physical and emotional needs, not just their spiritual needs. Read through the minor prophets, and the minor prophets over and over talk about how people need to care for the poor. They need to care for people. Our church is not set up so that the primary function of this church is meeting the needs of poor people in our town. We do, as a church, we support the Community Assistance Fund, which does help families in need. Every quarter, we send a check to them that helps families in this area, and, and we make sure that we do that uh, because that's a helpful thing for us to do. But see, it's not the role of the church to do that. It's the role of the Christians to do that. And see, you're going to find needs in your area, in your neighborhood, uh, and, and you're going to try and meet those needs. And you can help people. Don't just, you know, Ben, ben uh, talked about that gospel track that we have, and it's, it's got a clear gospel message in it. You can pick up some on your way out. If you go out to lunch, leave a generous tip inside that track and, and leave that for them. Don't leave a cheap tip. Leave a generous one inside that track, and maybe they'll read it. Maybe they won't, but at least they'll have the opportunity to do that. Uh, but don't just, if somebody's hurting, they're physically struggling, you can tell they have a broken leg, don't walk by, hand them the track, and say, God be with you. <laughs> you know, the scriptures actually says, when you see a guy in need, don't just say to him, be warmed and filled. Help to meet their needs. So Jesus' compassion was stirred by the needs 
of the people around him. Okay, The people of Jesus, those who are called Christians because they're Christ-like ones, their hearts should be stirred with the needs of the people around them as well. Okay, number five, when you are gentle, you welcome back those who repent and return. You welcome back those who repent and return. In Luke 15, there's a story told of the prodigal son. And the prodigal son demands his living, which the father gives it to him, and the son goes away, and he wastes his money, and he comes home poor and broke and destitute and needy, and he's hoping he can at least become a servant in his father's house. And you read down through that chapter, you get to verse number 20, and it says, the father's looking out like every day, looking down the road, and he sees that son, he recognizes him. And what did the father do? He ran. Now, in our culture, it's not unusual to see people running. I don't run anymore, but when I'm out walking, I see people running or jogging, and some of them really running hard. Kathy and I saw a lady the other day. She was really moving. She had a big stride going. She was moving. I said, wow, she's going fast. And, you know, but, but in their culture, people didn't run, especially not the dad who was the overseer of the area. It was undignified to run. Actually, the Jews taught, the Pharisees and, and the rabbis taught the certain gait that you were to have when you walked to show the seriousness of your person. And you weren't supposed to walk like this or do your power walking thing. or You, you were supposed to have this, this appropriate... And this dad like gathers up his robe so it won't hinder his running and then went running down the road. And when he gets to the sun, instead of saying, oh boy, you smell like pigs... He threw his arms around his son and he welcomed him back. See, when, when you and I are gentle and one who maybe made some really bad choices in your life, testimony time, how many of you have made, adults only, how many of you have made really bad choices in your life at one point or another? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> A couple of guys were back there. Yeah. Yeah. The, the truth is, we all need grace. And we have the opportunity to share it with others. Even if nobody shared it with you, you can be the one to make a difference in somebody else's life. So you, you welcome them back and, and you love on them and you run down the road. Uh, years ago, there were two brothers that went to the church that Rikosi's and Kathy and I went to in Tucson. And uh, the one brother was really active in the church, and, and the other brother kind of dropped out and dropped away. And, and so a bunch of us were praying for this brother, and, you know, we'll call him B, okay? Brother A asked us to pray for Brother B, and so we were praying for Brother B. And, and you know what? Brother B came back to church. And Brother B got right with the Lord. And Brother B started really growing in the Lord. And Brother B became popular at the church because uh, he was loving the Lord and he was loving on people and he was really growing. And Brother A got jealous and dropped out of church. Okay, that's not a spiritual response. The spiritual response is we welcome them back. We rejoice in their coming back. And, and we look forward to serving God with them. I one last main big idea is that when you are gentle, you value doing little things with kindness. I on purpose picked a picture of water 
and cups of water. Because in Mark 9, 41, Jesus said, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, assuredly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Every, just, just a cup of water. See, sometimes we get the idea we have to do big things. You know, I can't really help people because I can't write a check for a billion dollars like some people can. I can't write a check for a thousand dollars like some people can. Uh, so I just can't help people. You can help a little bit. You can help somebody. Nobody can help everybody. Only God can do that. But you can help somebody or a bunch of somebodies. What you're going to value doing little things. You know, uh, one of the things that I, I try and do if I'm in a store and somebody looks like they need help, I just ask, would you like some help? And I was over here in Safeway once. I don't remember why. I hate grocery stores. They stress me out. Too many options, you know. I, I like at home, Kathy gives me one or two or three options. I can handle that. You go in the cereal aisle and there's like 3,000 choices. I hate it. But, but I was in the grocery store. I was picking up something and Kathy told me what aisle, where to go so I didn't have to run around the store looking wild-eyed and crazy. And, and there's this lady there, and she's trying to reach something, and I just said, Would, could you use some help? And she said, sure, uh, that'd be great, because she was short and I was taller, and I went out and I reached up. She was trying to get down a case of beer. <laughs> and so, you know, being the Christian that I am, I said, lady, I cannot help you. No, I reached it down for her. And I said, I'm glad I could help you out, even if it was for that. But, you know, help people out. If, if you see somebody on the side of the road because they have a flat tire, uh, you, you could help them. If you can't help them, you could at least stop and see if you could give them a ride somewhere or make a phone call for them. Most people have cell phones, but some people don't, and they're stuck. You can help them. Um, we, we have to do little things. And you can't heal all the hurts. You can't heal all the damage. But, but one of the things you can do, it, it's like, get this image in your head. Okay? People are right here. And Jesus is over there. And in between where they are and where Jesus is, there's barriers certain things that got in the way. And what you can do is you can come and you can knock down a barrier or two. And you can move it where they can move closer to Jesus because those obstacles have been removed because you're one of God's servants trying to follow the pattern and example of Jesus. So the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness in big things, in little things, in all things, the Holy Spirit is working to produce gentleness in your heart and life. And if you are not resisting him or quenching him, then you're becoming more gentle and more kind, more loving and more faithful, more patient and more peaceful and more joyful as you follow him. That's who he is, and that's what he does as he works on you, in you, through you, with you, and for you. That's what he's accomplishing. The fruit of the Spirit includes all nine of these characteristics, and we should see them growing in our hearts and lives. 
And if we don't, the problem's not the Holy Spirit, the problem's you or me. And we need to correct our lives to follow his pattern. Now, you may be here and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your savior. We'd love to show you how to do that from the scripture. So you don't have the fruit of the spirit in your life because you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life unless you've trusted Jesus Christ as savior. If you have him in your life, then what's the next step for you? What's the next step you need to take? Do you need to put your arms around somebody? Give them a hug? Or one of those good Baptist hugs, you know, sideways hug? What do you need to do to impact somebody else's life for the cause of Christ? Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.